Welcome to Nervous Rex, a Neon Genesis Evangelion podcast that is 50% rewatch, 50% first time watch, and 100% drama. My name is Joe, I use any and all pronouns. My name is Chris, I use he, him pronouns. Chris? Yeah? I'm not confident, I've seen this episode before today. <laughs> I remember nothing of it. it I, everything felt new to me. I was so convinced. You've already seen the preview at the end of this episode that, uh reveals a new character i was yeah. convinced it hard cut from ramiel to her you like must have like missed a, a tsunami airing back in your childhood no i definitely just, just fucking i torrented this shit in high school Oh, okay uh but then have... this, is it possible there was like a missing episode you didn't realize it or you think it, you just have seen it and just don't remember anything from it which I, I would I, not doubt that either i would believe either one um yeah another thing i torrented in high school and watched was the first season of Community, uh, which I similarly just didn't have episode 13. I didn't know that Jack Black was on that show until I was like older and had bought the DVDs. Uh, and I was like, this is just a secret episode. This is just a hidden, a hidden thing. Uh, and this, this feels very similar where I'm just like, I don't remember any of this fucking shit. It's really wild that Jack Black was in both of them. Like, what are the odds that yeah. you're going to miss two episodes from, from different shows? Yeah, it was the, very the bizarre that Jack Black was in this episode of Neon Genesis Evangelion. He voiced the shitty man-made robot. Mm-hmm, yeah. He just didn't say anything, so you didn't know. Yeah, but he is credited uh, if, you, if you watch through the whole credits. The Eva tried to stop Jed alone. But it failed! <laughs> That's a lie. That's a lie, actually. It, uh, well, is it? Well, guess yeah, well, what? Oh, okay, okay, okay. No, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Yeah. All right, that fits. <laughs> I guess yeah. we'll get into it. It helped not fail. You said that I recapped last time, and I am trusting you. So that means it's your turn to recap episode seven, which I oh think boy. said a human work on one of one of the titles was was a human work. Yeah, title one is wait no, the title one is something like that which is man made, and title two was a human work. Okay, I remember the second one, and apparently so do you. Yeah. It stood out. Yeah. Because I was thinking, like, me? A human work? <laughs> me? More likely than you think. All right, so a human work is the seventh episode of Neon Genesis Evangelion. Are you uh, just reading the wiki? <laughs> no, but it is pulled up. I did read that line, but I'm not Good. going to do that. Good. Um, But I'm going to have to rely on something, because like you said, this is a weird episode. Um, It's weird compared to the first six, and it felt weird to me having seen everything after it. But yeah. it might just... Might just be one that I didn't remember super fondly because I, I do feel like this is a little more separated from the other over like the other big arcs like you know I think maybe I just didn't pay attention to Masato very much my first watch. Yeah, well, it just it doesn't make me think though because I was gonna say like we'll, we'll probably get to it in a second about its separateness, but I actually think that probably it maybe serves as a little bit of like um connective tissue between two different arcs because the last one now that I think about it is like. Now, like, Shinji and Ray's relationship kind of, like, art, like, at least a little yeah, bit. Yeah, Sh where, Shinji, like, Shinji got started, we introduced a lot of characters, and beating Ramiel was such a big deal. And this one is kind of like, yeah, a weird sort of transition period before we meet someone else. Yeah. I'm stalling because I don't want to try to recap this episode. <laughs> you can okay. do it, I believe in you. All right, so there's a conversation that I really don't, remember what was said between uh gendo and somebody else uh, so i'm just gonna slide on over that part the overview of the episode on the wiki doesn't even mention it so it must not be that important 
Do you remember the details yeah, there? Can you help me out here? Tag I'm, in real quick. I'm looking at the synopsis on uh, this wiki, and it's like it begins with a phone call with Gindo and an unknown person tells him that he answered information requests with falsified data. Um, and that'll actually come up later. Okay. This episode is pretty contained in, in a way that I appreciate, actually. Especially having no recollection of it fucking before. Uh, but yeah, it starts with that conversation. There's a lot of stuff in this episode that seems very intentionally vague. And I think after it ends and you see like the pretty much the last scene of it, uh, it kind of makes sense why things were intentionally vague. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely needed to be. Mm -hmm. We'll get there. But yeah, there's just a lot of, like, political jargon. And there's some, like, stuff into it that I, th like, it, like, in it that I think speaks to characterization. But for the most part, what people are talking about, you can kind of gloss over it. That's, yeah, that's kind of what happened in my brain. It's like, I was just like, I, I'm reading these words that they're, that they're saying, but, like, I'm not keeping any of it. None of it's mm -hmm. being retained. But, yeah, that. so they're talking about something about that project, and Geno tells him no further action is needed, and the unknown man says that he'll continue his plan. So that's that scene I don't remember. Uh, moving on to things that I do remember, Shinji's, like, all embarrassed because Masato is a, a, a slob and is continuing to, to roll up in uh, what he, I think, considers, like, embarrassing uh, clothing, and she's drinking beer first thing in the morning and She's cozy. Else. She's yeah. cozy and she's at home. Yeah, which is, like, fine. I was like, Shinji, why are you being a weird judgmental dick about this? Yeah, I was like, this episode, Shinji's a misogynist. Yeah, it sucks. Which, but, like, uh, yeah, not... <laughs> He's been, he has exclusively seen other shitty people. He does not know how to be decent to people. Yeah. And he is 14. Uh, right. But yeah, there's a lot of that. Yeah. And he, like, doesn't want uh, Toji and Kensuke to uh, see her when they show up to, to go to school with them because they're horny. Fair. But it's, uh, it's like, teach, it's like parent-teacher. Not necessarily, like, th this wiki says parent visitation day. The, the like, dub said or the, the sub said more like like kind of like the parent teacher conferences type thing yeah something like that and like i awed at the moment where like uh you decided i was like oh i'm going to your like parent teacher thing i was like oh and then she's like it's part of my job and i was like less awe because yeah. it's you know whatever but like i don't know it's still kind of sweet a little bit you can see shinji perk up and then like perk back down a little yeah so then Shinji's at, like, the, the headquarters, and he finally, like, notices out loud that, like, he doesn't know what the Avas are, because the entry plug smells like blood. That's he a weird uh, detail. Yeah, well, like, it's not, it's not that weird when you think about, like, the fact that we've, we've known from episode one that they're, like, organic somehow. It's, what's weird to me is that he's never mentioned it before. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's, like, trying to figure out what it is, and he mentions that he feels, like, relaxed when he's in it, which is interesting. That's the last word I would use. But I also mm -hmm. am not uh, feeling the feelings of, of doing the whole thing. And they have, like, some weird connection or whatever. Geno's on a plane who pulls, like, my nightmare scenario where it's entirely empty other than Geno. And the guy's like, can I sit next to you? Fucking, that, that, like, that scene of, hey, we're sharing this whole plane, can I sit next to you, was very much, it was just the fucking urinal comic. I thought of that <laughs> immediately. Of the, yeah. I hope, I hope me saying just urinal comic, everyone knows what I mean, but... I think the listeners of this show are extremely meme-savvy, and I think Probably. That, uh, yeah, I think they'll know what's up. It's, it's but... Neon Genesis Evangelion. <laughs> right. Yeah, so they talk about the bullshit about, like, a budget for, like, building um, an Evangelion, and mm -hmm. all the UN uh, countries approved it, except the USA, 
and they said that uh, the United States is allergic to uh, unemployment, which is not true. But uh, so they said that this person's country will participate in building um, Unit 8. Then uh, back at headquarters, Ritsko actually like finally explains to Shinji what the second impact was, which is basically like Antarctica like blew up. And, like, everyone in, like, history books had been told that it was, like, a uh, meteor. Um, but she's saying, like, actually, like, an angel was there. And it's interesting to me to note that it wasn't, it didn't say, it's like the angel crash landed and it blew anything up. Or the angel came down and they fought and there was an explosion that destroyed it. Mm-hmm. They basically just said, like, they found the angel there and then there was an explosion. They didn't say, like, what caused it. And they made it sound like yeah. it wasn't either of the two options that I just said. Who could say? <laughs> you probably Ritz- you seen this. I don't remember. I don't remember a, a ton of details. I have a guess, but I'm not a hundred percent. And even if I was a hundred percent, I wouldn't tell you. Yeah. Well, something I didn't catch during the episode, and maybe like, the wiki like is referencing things that come later or even before, and I just don't remember. But they mentioned that the first angel in this summary's name is Adam. So. Yeah, that's in the summary. I don't know. I don't think uh, she said it. I really don't think she said that. But. I don't think she said it either. But yeah, the second impact is the first angel. Uh, they're uh, trying to prevent a third impact. That they yes. do say. Yeah, and uh, and Risco tells Misato the event will occur the next day. We don't know what the fuck that is. Um, I mean, we find out immediately. Do... It's them going yeah. to the place. Yeah, there's a uh, another scene where they do they they reuse the same animation from the beginning of the uh, episode where Shinji and Pen Pen are are having breakfast in their place. But then this time Misato comes out and instead of being in cozy clothes, she's like dressed to the nines. And Shinji's like, whoa, what's up with that? And she's going with Ritsuko to, like, this weird, like, thing where, like, she and Ritsuko are going to represent Nerve, and they have to meet with, like, I think, like, corporate people? Or, like, military people, maybe, that are involved with, like, the UN, like, building these other Evangelions? Is that right? Mm-hmm. But there's, like, a, they're going to demonstrate this thing they've built. It's, like, a man-made version of an Ava that's not uh, fleshy and smells like blood. Because they're like, yo, your thing sucks. It can only run for five minutes, which is extremely valid. Um, but then uh, Ritsko kind of like calls them out and is just like, like you're putting like a nuclear reactor in a thing that's made for like hand-to-hand combat, which is also extremely valid. And they just kind of like have this like argument about which Ava method is better. And the dude's like shitty and makes comments about like hysterical women and like the whole room like laughs at uh, at Ritsko. And yeah, there's sucks. a lot of misogyny in this episode, huh? But that one that one was like um on the right side of it though, where like it, it's framed as bad, whereas yeah. it's that's not as clear when Shinji is uh, you know, being weird about I, Misato. Despite I think you, it gets there later. Yeah, the, the way Shinji the episode walk. ends, I I I feel a little better about how it's framed. Because again, like I do feel like this is a very contained episode, which I yeah which a lot of the things we've commented on before about like is this weird or not it it was over several episodes it's not it's not contained the way that like shinji's specific problem is solved within this episode yeah oh i forgot the other the 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 shitty dude did have another good point though and he said like this is uh, a better way to do it than like using a weapon that causes mental instability in its pilots and Mm -hmm. i was like yeah it would save the boy it Uh, would save the boy yeah and um so like and Ritsuko the girl. Is all like, yeah, all of them. Literally everybody. Multiple kids. Saved. Yeah, saved. Uh, Ritsuko is, like, obviously in that fight, and, like, Masada is kind of just like, oh, like, he, this makes you seem childish, like, whatever. But then, like, the next cut is, like, Masato throwing a, a huge fit and, like, kicking in lockers, being mad about the way the whole thing went down. And then, like, Ritsuko's like, this is making you seem like a child. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, yeah, it's funny how 
one is shown as like uh angry in person and calm behind doors and the other one's the other way around but they both think yeah. the other is childish yeah characters correct they're gonna do their big fancy showing of the uh jet alone which is the the man-made ava and it starts yeah. walking and at first Masada, i was like oh damn like they got it to walk like that's if you remember from like the the first or it was it the second yeah it was the second episode uh where they were like surprised that shinji could make the, the ava walk so like Miss Idol's like, oh damn, I guess like they did have something worth worth bragging about and worth showing off. And Rizuko's basically just like you can see on her face, she's just like, just wait. Like she's not worried about it at all. Mm-hmm. Then the thing instantly loses control and just starts like stepping on their base and like moving ahead through the city, just like wrecking shit. Mm-hmm. And so that's when Miss Misa- they're they're like basically banging on this like thing, just like turning off on its own, and they like say that's extremely improbable so Masato's like all right fuck that we're gonna like stop this mm-hmm. and they they try to go through the chain of command by like but like some dude on a golf course is like you gotta like do this in triplicate like right in a thing and Masato's like that's stupid I'm gonna just like go do this so she calls in to have Shinji and the Ava dropped off and then they have this plan where uh Shinji in the Ava is gonna like throw her onto this thing's back where she can get into it through the back and then like go into like the the area with a nuclear reactor and then while Shinji holds this thing still so that she can try to get this thing turned off with this password that they give her. Fast forward a little bit. They're doing the plan. Password does not work. So then Shinji's just like desperately trying to hold this thing while Masato figures out another way. And I was not super clear on like what happened. But basically Masato um, yeah, she, she's stops try- the thing. She, she's trying to push some things in. Uh, I guess we can just assume that she knows that would work. Yeah, they're like these big rods. Yeah, uh, something. It's an inside of a robot. What are you going to do? But yeah. Ev- yeah, there's a red light in there, and she pushes them in, and the lights go green. So then yeah, you know at, it was good. At the good. last possible second, they all just go in, and it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, so that's all sweet. And then Masato and Shinji are talking, and Shinji's like, oh, like, oh my god, I'm so glad you're okay. And Masato's like, yeah, um, we like figured it out, but like whatever this was, like I feel like somebody planned this. And then we get a short scene where Ritsuko is telling Gendo that except for the way that um, Masato, like, jumped in and interfered, like, uh, everything went as planned. Mm-hmm. All according to Keikaku. Translators note, Keikaku means plan. I'm really, uh, I still don't get the reference you're making, but I'm glad I just listened to a Got It Memorized episode where this was also referenced so that I know <laughs> it's a thing. Good. Uh, and then the last bit of the episode takes place where we're back at um, Masato and Shinji's apartment. We do the, the third showing of the same animation but this time Masato's back in cozy clothes and and drinking a beer and hooting and hollering and Shinji's all like annoyed about it and he leaves with uh, Toji and Earl and uh he's complaining about her about how like because they're like she's so cool and he's like like I thought that at first but like she like wears like girl clothes around the house and she drinks beer and like whatever he's like throwing a fit about it and then they're like no dude like you're really lucky and he's like why and then they said uh the quote is uh she's showing you I'm forgetting the first part. It's like, she's showing you a side of her that she doesn't let anybody else see. And then this quote I actually wrote down was, that means she's your family. And Shinji's kind of like, oh, damn. Yeah. Hashtag deep. Yeah. And that's where the episode ends. And that's why I feel like the, the episode, like, all along, like, was trying to portray Shinji as being wrong. Because, like, people explain to him at the end, like, why he's being dumb and he seems to learn from it. So it's like. There yeah, it's a it's a closed loop. It's not just he is weird like he's been for the past couple episodes and it like this seems to be like a a culmination when it was there was so much of it in this episode. 
Yeah. But yeah, how do you feel about it? Episode of the whole, it was fine. I think it was like the least standout episode of the whole thing. And it was definitely the most conventional. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, I don't think mind. for me, that is why it's a standout. And also because I don't remember it. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I guess that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, like it, it took a while. I mean, it did get there, but honestly, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but I was just trying to figure out like, what is like the point of this episode? Like, why is this included? Because it did feel so like separate and different. Yeah, it's it's a bit of a slow burn. There's a lot of a uh, just kind of like talking talking heads for a little bit with like political jargon and things happening that we're not seeing, uh, and then we see the effects of them at the end of the episode. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I, I I don't mean to say that I was thinking that like it was like pointless, but just like it has a very very different feel to it. If you've watched it, I'm sure you know what I mean. If like like you said, it, it feels very separate. Like it feels like this is a, a thing that they're doing like. It almost feels like it's just like we just need to do one episode between this other big thing and this next big thing, so like throw in an, a Masato adventure. But then it gets revealed that like there's something happening with like Gendo and Ritsko, which is like oh okay, so this episode does have a point in the larger purpose because that's the first like tip of the hand that like these two are going into business for themselves, and even Masato doesn't know about it. Yeah, because up to this point, like she's been like uh, we, she's been seen as like being on the same page as as them. Mm-hmm. And on, like, equal authority. There's two things I want to draw comparisons between. Uh, well, maybe that isn't the right phrasing, but two, like, points in the episode I wanted to connect dots with. Uh, there is a point where Ritsuko says, sometimes things are covered up at the, at the beginning of the episode when she's, expl- oh, when, yeah. when she's explaining the second impact. And, yeah. by, the, by the way, we didn't really mention Masato looks a little uneasy during that conversation. And then later she is covering up stuff that Masato doesn't know about. Uh, and yeah, that's a good call. I didn't catch that. And uh, in the conversation between Ritsuko and the guy who designed uh, Jet Alone, the nuclear uh, robot, uh, he talks about how, how can you rely on things that are powered by uh, the heart? Uh, like, like it's, it's human decision-making means there's more likelihood for error. And I just, for some reason, I feel like that line speaks to how Masato acts in this episode because she just runs at it. Yeah. And she's like, I will, you know, like if I don't do anything and something bad happens, I will regret it. And I, I kind of surprised that like we don't see Shinji react to that as much, but this is just, this is a Masato episode. Yeah. Yeah. You would think though that like considering like how much of this episode in particular is kind of about the way that Shinji sees Masato, you would think that like we would get more of like his watching that happen yeah and he is he he, shinji i think knows shinji views masato as extremely competent at her job and he wishes that she was always on the ball when when they live together he doesn't he you know he's like and and very understandably uh he doesn't know where the line of uh like roommate family friend and co-worker boss like he he doesn't know where that line is I think that's where a lot of his frustration comes from. That and never being close to anybody ever. Yeah. And and the one part of his, like, weird, like, thing about Masato that I, like, can kind of get is, like, I would I would buy that a kid that age would not like um his friends, like, ogling his, like, older, like, roommate that he works with. So, like... Yeah, I, yeah, R- roommate, like, any, any personal connection that he feels attached to, whether it's, like, uh, like an actual mom or an actual sister or roommate or coworker or whatever. It's just like, it's weird. 
Yeah, so, like, the shitty part is him blaming her and the way she dresses for that, but I understand uh, a 14-year-old being like, like, can you not do that? Because my friends are fucking, like, gonna be, like, weird about it. But, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Matt, there's a lot of moving parts in toxic masculinity. Uh, and, yeah, it's this 14-year-old kid is, you know, going about it the wrong way by blaming, by blaming her. Uh, and it's kind yeah. of surprising then at the end when Toji and, and I think it's actually Kinsuke who points out that, yeah. like, actually, it's, like, nice. Like, that is a good thing that you are seeing that side of her. Yeah, and that's what that's this is the thought that I was going to get to a minute ago was like, I really, really like that um, th- this show is already doing a good job of something that, like, I find gets annoying in certain shows where it's like there's, like, a, a group of main characters, but, like, one of them is, like, the chief protagonist. I feel like some shows, it's just, like, the main character's, like, always right and always, like, wins, and the side characters are always there to, like, to be the ones that are wrong and make mistakes and, and fall short. I like things like this, where, like, in this instance, like, Shinji had to learn from them, and especially I think it's interesting because, like, they have been such, like, I don't know, like, losers about the whole Masato thing up to this point, mm-hmm. but then, like, this time they actually had, like, insight and, like, wisdom to impart to him about the way he was seeing her and their relationship. Yeah, it's like it's a weirdly nuanced where they're like they're oogling her. They're like they're dumb and horny kids, but like when they see Shinji's discomfort and confusion, they're like, "Well, that just means this." Yeah, like they're 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 also still like seeing her as a as a person too, and like explaining to Shinji why. Yeah, that, and I was really like it. It also is cool because what I thought was gonna happen when he's like, "Ugh, she always like dresses this way, acts this way, or whatever," and they're like, "You're so lucky." I thought we were gonna end the episode on like, a, "Oh, like they're and they're laughing because like, because then you get to see her in her underwear and blah blah blah." And instead, it was like, "Oh no, that's actually a really sweet sentiment that yeah. they pointed out." Like, so that was cool. Yeah, too. I think I think Shinji continuing to blur that line of family and coworker is uh, questionable, but. So far, that's the thing is, that's what he wants. He wants to be able to view her as like someone who actually cares about him. And I think she does, but she also doesn't know where that line is. Like, it's a little weird how friendly she is with this teenager. Yeah. And how and how quick she was to say, just live with me. And then, yeah, she is like, I'm not going to say like she's not allowed to be a slob in the fucking comfort of her own home. But like the way you interact with a teenager is different. Yeah, that's true. I had not thought about that in, in that, like, because in, in this episode, I was all like, hell yeah, let her, like, eat pizza and drink beer and, like, whatever. But hell then yeah. you, do raise a good, you do raise a good point, though, that if I was like, all right, small child, come live with me, I would feel the need to set a better example than, like... And then you in no way change how you lived as a bachelor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Like, like, I guess now that you can put it like that, I would not be, like, cracking open brewskis at, like, uh-huh. nine in the morning in front of said teenager. Yeah, so, you know, there's a little bit of a point there, but yeah, it's just it's super blurry. It's not there's no clear cut because Shinji is also like going about it in a in, a, in kind of the wrong way because it it, it kind of comes off as like misogynist when he's just like ah she's doing these things that are unseemly and it's like yeah she's like she's coarse and she's whatever like yeah and it's like no she's just a, a person who is comfortable around you and like yeah maybe she shouldn't be and then that continues the to blur the lines of like well is this is this actually sort of like a a, a guardian who cares about me or is it a job and that is i mean this is only episode seven bud uh but yeah <laughs> we'll keep talking about it i'm personally sure. i'm on team cares about him uh-huh. but uh yeah we shall see as we continue to move along speaking of those scenes though 
I didn't realize until the third one happened, but I really liked the the kind of like one two one repetition pattern with the shots of um Shinji and and Pen Pen, where it's yeah, like they, they use that uh that animation like three times. Yeah, and and so they, it's like they do it the first time, and Masato's like in Shinji's view, like being like a slob or whatever. And the second time, she's like super professional, and the third time, she's back to being a slob. Like I just I liked the way that they they used that little um device because typically I told me to spell this out because I'm sure you you instantly know I'm going this but like, typically with like a a rule of three type situation it's like you do the, the same thing twice in a row and then the third one is different so I, this mm-hmm. was kind of nice that like I didn't even realize it was like that kind of pattern till the last one happened this way because yeah. there was like it was and like because like the they took the same setup and then tweaked it in the middle of the three mm-hmm. uses of it. Yeah, I think the way that it ends up working in practice is really good because it's Shinji being really surprised at her being, like, cleaned up and professional at home and, like, first thing and in the, the morning. And the penguin was surprised, too, it's worth mentioning. Yeah, yeah, Pinpin's also surprised the fish falls out of his mouth. Yeah. But then the third time, he is, like, increasingly aggravated because things are back to normal. And he's like, man, I thought she was cool, but she keeps yeah. doing this stuff. And they're like, fucking chill out, dude. Yeah. Toji and Earl, I mean. This is at the end of the episode. Yeah. Um, we've we we fo- we have we so much focus on like these two characters because I'm just like we haven't talked about shit about the the political bullshit or even really the robot. I feel like okay, I'm gonna get to the robot. Don't worry. Okay. Um, well, then maybe but, like, maybe the, we should get the political jargon out of the way then, and then do robot time. Personally speaking, I don't have any notes about that. I feel like there's not a ton to say, but I'd be happy to hear what you want to talk about with it. Yeah, like, I mean, for the sake of like this being a recap show, and I do know there are people sure. that are like uh, listening to this in lieu of watching it again. There are some like details that um I probably wouldn't have picked up on my first watch, or maybe this was my first watch of this episode. Who can say? But there are things that because I've seen this show before, I picked up on. There's a bit in Nerve at the it's like the first half of the episode where uh, Shinji, it's like right after he learns about the second impact. But there's just some other like interstitial scenes where uh, they are mentioning like repairing Unit uh, Zero, and will we be, will we be fine until Unit Two arrives from Germany? That's the first real introduction of, like, more Evangelion units. Following that up is when we see Gendo on the plane in the urinal scene. Well, it's not actually. I, I just want to, that's a joke. I just want to be clear. There are no urinals on this plane. He, we, he, he talks to someone else about, like, building more units and a bunch of budget stuff. And, like, you know, there you could talk about the implications of budgets being used so much in this show. And, like, uh, talking about, like, ah, well, war budget versus, um, you know reparations for people who you know had losses because of the attacks uh like their homes were destroyed or stuff like that um and it's kind of just like in the background of these episodes uh it's it's it addresses it which i think is interesting for i mean i know there's other uh robot anime that is like grounded in like hey war is catastrophic and affects a lot of things like that's not an exclusive thing to evangelion um but i I do like its inclusion in the way it is uh the way it is used and centered around characters like Gendo and uh, Ritsuko. And then we kind of see Masato as this, like, this daywalker of, like, she she is personable. She can connect to, to Shinji. She is not all buttoned up. Uh, and we she still is able to pretend and dress up and interact with these other adults. And she can put her foot down. Ritsuko is somewhere else in that spectrum where she also can relax, but she does it way, way less. And I, cause we saw her once like hang out with Masato yeah. and she was a very different person. 
Yeah. Um, but but there's there's that which is interesting. Uh, just talking about like on the on the plane, they talk about building other Eva units. I think we see we hear the number six and eight. Uh, yes. Which are I don't know higher than one and two. Uh, <laughs> Astute observation, Joe. Yeah, I'm just saying like there's a lot of those and yeah like a lot of there's so many voting going on we see like the the reality of ritsuko you know arguing about like uh which is safer for people which is better like hey yeah this may be sure the evas have all these fucking cons but they're also what's working and uh yeah and then but also then we realize later that she was involved in sabotaging the jet alone so who knows that the nuclear stuff actually would have worked you did you did make me remember a detail we forgot though, and that's that um shitty dude brings up um the AT field and um mm. I think his Masato is like, how did he know about the AT field? And then and, oh and then Risco's like, oh like there's like uh there's like been like a big like information leak and Masato's yes. like, What's going on in intelligence? And I just not realized, oh, that was probably Ritzko and Gendo's that doing. Was, that was the phone call yeah. at the beginning of the episode. Yeah. Was yeah. uh information has been leaked and Gendo's like, It's probably taken care of and Ritsuko takes care of it. She, yeah. you know, you can assume she's pretending to be more upset than she is. Right. She does a lot of things that Gendo tells her to do. And she's usually the one doing a lot of the legwork. But yeah, it's, you know, we see that Misato isn't informed on all these things. And I don't know. There's just, and like, I like that all these things, despite being like kind of drama, subterfuge, you know, adults having conversations about budgets and war and whatever. There's a lot to read into the characters doing it. Because it is Masato and Ritsuko doing it, and like we see a lot of their personalities shined through these individual actions. Yeah, which is like good writing because like you it should is. be sh- showing that every time your characters are on screen. Yeah, every uh, yeah everything they say and do like speaks to yeah. who they are. If you're if you're doing it, I don't I don't want to say right, but the, the way that I think is right. Yeah, um, and to your point earlier, talking about the ramifications of the, the this whole like Ava operation and stuff, like they they did mention too that because of like I think what my understanding of it was that like, because of the budget that was being allocated to like the robot stuff, like people in other countries were starving. Yeah, yeah, and I don't. I mean, it's such a small detail glossed over. Yeah, well, like I kind of like you know first of all consider the source, but also I just kind of sure. like d- rejected the idea that the two things were like that connected i i was even thinking of like the, it being used as like a rhetorical device because those people are probably starving anyway yeah like that money would have gone to it like not to think too much about how these things happen in the real world even though i think the show is largely informed by that it's just like yeah of course yeah like you know that money would have gone to a different military spending yeah most likely because i don't see to this assume. I don't see this fictional future as being one in which they've solved that issue. You know yeah, what I mean? No. Like, it's like, no, you're building, like, eight fucking robots. If you wanted to end world hunger, you could. Yeah. And, like, this um, this episode talking about, like the, like, the budgetary side of, like, you know, the cost of military versus the cost of, you know, helping the victims of war, uh, I think is, like, kind of perfectly timed to contrast with the last episode where the protection of Tokyo was so ingrained to that episode. Uh, like when they're saving Raimi, all they're like pulling the power from everything. And like, they're very specific about not telling them anything. Uh, yeah. and, and all like it, like protecting that city is so integral to like Shinji's arc. And like the last couple episodes, we kind of just like zoom out and see the scale of nerve in general, like connecting with the UN. It's good. Yeah. They even, they also, I, I think mentioned too, that even like, 
clearing up the um the body of the uh angel the big diamond thing cost a lot of money which like you yeah yeah, think yeah about that but like I don't know, i've seen spider-man homecoming okay yeah sure but like i don't know i'm not like consciously thinking about oh i hope vulture gets paid on this gig cleaning up the triangle you know like i'm not thinking about it every time i'm watching anime joe yeah yeah i know it's just yeah it's 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 directly interacting with it in in the text like there's yeah parts of this episode dedicated to not showing the people doing it or talking about the people doing it so much as talking about the people paying for the people doing it uh and there's like there is a shot of the big fucking bass pro shop pyramid like being destroyed (laughs) um it, it, like in the middle of the city after it was you know uh shot by shinji um yeah. and yeah like i'm i I feel like i've never seen that before wild um the the shot yeah like there's there's so many things about this episode that i thought were striking visually and i was just like yeah i would have figured i remembered that because like watching the first six episodes i felt like I, I was like oh yeah this is still good when i saw like really good shots yeah can i tell you about a couple shots i liked go for it please one of them I feel like it's it's obvious, but um, the shot of, of Ritsuko and uh, Masato alone at a table in a big room surrounded by tables that were full of people. Yes. Uh, it's extremely, like, surface level and obvious, but I think it did still do a good job of, like, pitting them as, like, these, like, loner underdogs in a room of people that weren't taking them seriously. Yeah, nobody likes nerve. Yeah. Which is interesting, because you don't really get a hint at that until now. this episode. Yeah. Like, you, you kind of get, like, on on, like, the level of, like, high school children like yeah uh, with like toji being like i'm mad at the robot driver and like whatever but like but like not i got the sense that the world at large uh was down with them and they're not there's something really subtle that we have no context for still and i don't remember which episode where gendo's talking to like a bunch of silhouettes around a hologram table. oh yeah they keep telling them about like focus on one thing like focus on instrumentality giving robots to your kid sucks quit it and he's like, no, I know what I'm doing. Like, all things are important. And they're just like, all right. And then um, I think it's interesting to follow that up with Gendo's conversation on the phone this episode. After they leaked that information, Gendo makes, like, says something on the phone that's like, something about the people who, like, are in charge of that money will, like, think differently when they think about themselves as a, as a victim of anything happening. Um, which is true. Yeah. The other two... The other two shots that, that stood out to me both involved um, Masato and the shitty dude. There was one. They're they're both like where they're like kind of it's like a it's like a wide shot where they're facing each other. The first one is like a, a like a long shot like like they're both like silhouetted in the background. And it's kind of like a mountain of like debris like between them. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, uh yes, yeah. There was a lot of uh debris in between the. There was like two different shots with debris in between them. Yeah, there's that one that I liked, and then another one, they're, um, they're face-to-face, and then in between them is, like, this kind of, like, control panel thing in the foreground, and, like, mm-hmm. an axe swings out into the middle, like, interrupts their conversation. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that was yeah. good, too, because, like, the entire vibe of the room changed after that. Like, she's talking about how she's gonna go, like, do this, you know, suicide mission to stop this thing, and uh, people are just, like, doing all they can to sort of, like, help all of a sudden. Including including the shitty guy who like tells her the the passcode even though he's not supposed to like they couldn't yeah. they couldn't get clearance because the people who give clearance are golfing or passing their responsibility off to other people um and he's like yeah I got to file a form and she's like people are gonna die in like five minutes yeah so she just she says I'm acting on my own and she calls someone to get the the Eva brought over here with Shinji I should I should say now that that came up too 
that I like that even though he was like uh, a shitty man, as we've been like, referring to him. Yeah, uh, whatever. He has still, a name. Like, probably. Uh, it's uh, I, I saw it in the wiki. It's uh, oh god, where is it? Um, Shiro. Shiro. It's Shiro. Oh yeah, yeah he he, do- he doesn't have a wiki page. So I was looking for a blue link, and it's not blue. Yeah. Um, but like they, he still he felt like a real person still, not just like cartoon bad guy. Cause, yeah, like, no, he because... wanted this to work so badly. Yeah, you can and, see and, it like, in his and, face. And... He like he wants he wants to make th- things better, and he can't. Yeah, and he was all proud when his little baby robot was walking out uh in the city, taking its first steps. He looked real real yeah. happy and whatever. But like like well, like we already mentioned, like he had valid points he had a good argument about why like this should be done instead of what nervous doing yeah he was arrogant and uh sexist when he was yeah. saying all of it in front of a large group of people who already didn't take nerve seriously so like he he's introduced as this asshole and got this leaked information that we don't yet know was intentional yeah i just like that like even even though he was so clearly like that's a person that we uh do not like he's still like there were elements of him that either like you like made sense or then like like you said like he has at least a little bit of like good in him when he's like all right here's the password yeah like yeah he breaks those I, rules he, and does he, it yeah that's like a big time like violation of whatever his job's rules are too because that that code was like i think they literally said like that's what's used to like shut everything down like you could use that mm-hmm. on like whatever that was a, that was a big uh leak of his own yeah to, and uh, i mean it didn't work it, it had been changed yeah so <laughs> yeah uh it's i maybe he it'll never be known that he leaked it maybe it will uh but uh yeah it's that's that's uh that's there's a lot going on with him despite it kind of seeming like there isn't at first glance yeah speaking of that password scene though i kind of like made light of it when i was doing the summary of like oh it's like there's red lights that turns green i do have to say on like a lizard brain level that totally worked because like just like my body was like oh good they did it like yeah yeah no you know my brain knew otherwise but my body like very much reacted to like the red 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 green it's like oh okay yeah she's she's in that robot for so long and it's like such a it's almost difficult to look at for a long time how much just the the way everything's coded in this like maroon like it looks it looks like i'm gonna start sweating watching it yeah it reminds me of that sickly uh thing in Metal Gear solid 4 when snakes having to like crawl through the like overheated whatever the fuck you know what i'm talking about no nah, i don't play bad video games oh uh, okay well you know <laughs> someone out there <laughs> i'm sure there's, i'm sure there's a lot of people who like it's a good scene it probably is there's a lot of good scenes in those games that i mean Metal Gear solid 4 I'll- is essentially a movie right yeah, that one's my favorite. Is that, is that the one that... Uh, uh, there's one that has, like, 11 hours of cutscenes or something. Oh, yeah. The, the final cutscene is literally, like, two and a half hours long. Yeah, yeah. Then that's the one. I never got into those games. I'm sure there's a lot of good in them. Um, yeah. Despite fucking the sexist bullshit in it. <laughs> yep. You, you, you said you had stuff to say about the robot. Is this some of that stuff, or do you have stuff about the robot specifically? I can say something about the robot. Jet Alone is a, you know, a remote-controlled nuclear robot i learned today on this wiki i also learned that it existed today basically uh that it is named after jet jaguar from godzilla versus megalon oh learned that in the trivia down here it means nothing to me but i'm sure that's cool to somebody sure i uh i like the godzilla films i've seen uh i have two comments about the uh the robots one uh the evangelion still looks very cool yeah uh i i felt like it, it i mean it's just been a little while since we've like 
recorded this. It's been a little while since I've watched it, and I was like, oh, it's so cool. I like. I noticed this time how kind of lanky the Ava is, and I like that design. Like, it's still very much like a big, thick robot, but it also, in certain, like, shots, looks kind of, like, skinny. I had the very it's cursed so thought. so angular. That, yeah, it, uh, you're going to hate me for saying this, but I'm going to do it anyway. It looks like the Invader Zim of mechs. I feel that. Yeah, right? It's kind of it's kind of like gangly and purple and green and like like yeah. Purple and green also the Joker's collars. <laughs> we live in a we live in a society. Tokyo 3. Uh this, this by the way this episode featured a nice little scene of Tokyo 3 drift when Misato rolled up to the parent teacher oh, conference. Fuck yeah. Yeah, but all right. So this is the comment about the robots that I've been waiting to get to. The jet alone walks like a shit post. A little bit. The scene where where uh the two, it's, like, the jet alone walking and then, like, uh, Shinji's Ava, like, behind it in, like, that long shot where they're silhouetted. It's, like, got, like, wobbly-ass arms and it's, just like, walking around, like, yeah, noodling. It's, it's very, it's very not robotic in, like, a beep-boop doing the robot robotic. It's very, like, just unmanned. Like, just, like, the videos you see of the dogs being trained to pick up boxes and like the robot things being trained to pick up boxes and open doors and stuff and they keep pushing them down like this move is kind of like that just like or or like like a Roomba but it's so wiggly it's so wiggly though yeah it just keeps it keeps on swinging its arms like it thinks it's moving like it doesn't know better it's like a Roomba that's stuck on a carpet uh and yeah Shinji's like holding it back and it's just woogling there's a couple shots like I was thinking about how I was like man Eva like Ava just fucking look good some of the some of its movement in this episode was like just a couple frames short, so it looked a little goofy. And I was like, you know what? The I still Ava? love it, despite that. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't notice the Ava looking goofy. I definitely noticed the the Jet alone looking goofy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I I do like though that because the Avas are so cool, right? And they're like the like, organic ones that just like apparently exist somehow. But like I like that this like we built our own robot. Like the, I like that it looked appropriately like boring and shitty. Like. It yeah. look, if, the, if the whole point of like Ritsko's argument was like these things are not as effective without like a human heart like to that end like the one that was like made entirely artificially like feels very like that yep that sure is artificial like it, it that looks, had no it heart it looks like, like a nobody from Kingdom Heart yeah but yeah so that, I just think that's that's a, that's a, that's a good visual contrast yeah there was there was some line about how like uh, the Eva's working in the Shiro shitty man says something about like you think. You think humans and technology can tame those things, uh, which I think is a good sort of like, what the fuck are they talking about? Oh, you, you mean as far as like from their perspective, like? Well, yeah, because it's so like uh, vague if, when you combine it with the things we've seen of like Shinji seeing that eyeball and like the fleshy and the blood stuff, and it's like we don't, we we know so little <laughs> about what's actually yeah. happening. I guess I didn't think too much about that though, just because like I'm still riding off the line where they're just like. I guess it wasn't even necessarily just a line, but, like, the implication right from the beginning that Shinji and this thing had some kind of, like, like personal connection because, like, he was able to pilot it in ways that he shouldn't have been able to. The thing, like, moved and whatever. Like, you know, all that stuff. So I, I've already been, like, on board from, like, you know, minute 15 or whatever. It's like, okay, yeah, like, these things, like, the the human connection or whatever, like, is very important to them. And, like, Ritz goes right that mm-hmm. they can kind of tame these beast or whatever so like i didn't really think anything of it but you're right though that like yeah if you're looking at it from like anyone else's perspective it's like uh i explain yeah i like that line a lot and i like reading into it but it, uh it kind of it kind of i'm sure this like wasn't intentional because it's like there's not enough of it there but just like i i was thinking during that line that it reminded me of king of, of king kong like the whole like you know 
was beauty killed the beast blah blah, blah but just like the kind of idea of like oh like the the you think a human can tame the beast in a in a show about gigantic destructive forces that are actually alive and can yeah. relate to humans like i kind of felt like uh maybe the slightest of king kong connections but yeah, yeah. i feel that yeah there's like there's a lot of subtleties to to conversations in this show that sort of like lead into things and i'm, I'm thinking now thinking about that conversation and about how the viewer doesn't have context for what they're talking about like based on these first seven episodes it just like i, I i'm thinking now like the way that conversations and scenes that only have adults in them feel so vastly different to scenes with Shinji in them. And like, yeah, I, like I feel like there's always something that I don't know. And I, I like that feeling. I, it's I, good. I, I like that feeling as a viewer, but I think it creates a really stark contrast to like, again, like I don't think you're supposed to put yourself in Shinji's shoes, but there is something about being like, I don't, all I know is what Shinji has been told. And like, you're you're getting you're getting some insights into other things by watching, but it's not being explained. You're seeing people who understand it talk about it and not explain it. Yeah, which is uh, it's a form of script writing I super fucking love. Yeah, I like it too. I hadn't really thought about it from that angle, but you're right. The only times that we know things concretely are when Shinji gets to know them concretely. Yep, and there's even scenes, especially like in the first episode, where like those conversations are happening, but Shinji's in the room and he's yeah. not being explained things. Um. Like, like when they're calling him a spare in front of his face. Yeah. But yeah, doofy robot. <laughs> yeah. I think that's my favorite part of the whole thing. The, it, it's, I also it's I, dumb I, I little arms. It, yeah, I I mentioned last time that I was excited to get to see Masato do stuff, and I did I did enjoy that. I liked I liked getting to see Masato do stuff. Yeah, I did too. It was um I I enjoyed this episode quite a bit. I have a big question uh coming out of this episode though. What's that, Joe? Why is Toji wearing toilet paper on his head? What was up with that? I think what you're thinking of is, like, the strap of his backpack. Why did he have it on his head like that, if that's what it was? I gotta go back and look, because that did not look like a strap of a backpack to me. Because he's a... That's what, I, that's what my mind immediately assumed, because they're going to school in an anime. But he's never done that before. Just this episode, there's randomly just, like, a white strand of something on his head. And it looked like toilet paper. And I was just like, this is new. I mean, I you're valid. Understand. Yeah. You are valid for your concerns. It's a very brief shot. But that is... No, he's got he's got it in, like... I think he's got it in, like, most of the scenes he's in in this episode. Is he? I only remember it I from when they're so. opening the door. I only remember it when they're opening the door. He's definitely got it again later at the end. But granted, they might have reused the same animation of them opening the door like they do with the other, like, uh morning activities but yeah he there are definitely multiple scenes in which toji has something uh white that looks like toilet paper draped across the top of his head and i was uh, wondering if you had any insight into this strange child's behavior i've told you all i all the information i have and that's that i think it's his backpack okay well <laughs> he's always been weird about the way he wears his, tweet he wears his shoes around his neck tweet at us hashtag nervous rex pod i know i'm not the only one you might be regardless uh I don't. I think I'm. I don't know if I have anything else to really talk about with this episode, but I enjoyed it quite I a don't, bit. I don't. I don't. I don't either. I'm glad though that we talked as much as we did because I will say, by the time the first half of this episode happened, I was terrified. That I was like, we're not gonna have shit to say. But then it's like it, we got there. Stuff. Stuff did happen. Stuff. Yeah. Like, there. And there was more stuff because like I, when you brought up like, oh, do you have anything to say about the politics? Like I, I was thinking like, no, I don't. And then we started talking about it. I was like, oh, of course I do. There was actually a lot in there. Yeah. Sometimes you just gotta get that ball rolling down the hill. 
Yeah. And then you're like, ah, oh, fuck, uh, it's been an hour of just rolling down the <laughs> hill. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Joe, remember when we thought that it might not be enough to have uh, one episode of the show be one episode of the podcast? Remember that? No, I, I can't say I ever have thought that. <laughs> Were we worried at one point? I think that you at one point asked me, like, should, should we do just, like, one and one? And I was like, absolutely. See, I knew that, like, later on. I know, like, later episodes, but... I don't know. I guess I, I didn't know how much we were going to talk until we did. And after, like, episode one, I think I was like, yep, this is the podcast. Yeah, time will never be an issue again. Yeah, no, we will always uh, we'll always have a podcast episode length that is appropriate. Although, like, I don't know, 30-minute 30, 30 episodes are fine. Yeah, they are, totally are. I, I, I value them greatly. I just, I know we're going to go, like, way over at the further we go. <laughs> yeah, we'll figure something out. block out a whole Saturday to talk about. <laughs> some of the later stuff i am excited for next week's episode though yeah you, um, you excited to to meet the the girl from germany i am there's something weird about just like i think it's a combination of like like three things one her character design two that she's from germany and three the way that she appeared to be characterized in that little trailer i was just like i'm actually really stoked to meet this character like this seems fun and cool yeah um uh, yeah i mean we get to we get to speculate on this podcast because you've never seen it before, which is very fun uh, to re- to record predictions about a a piece of media before you review it. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's like that. Is that the the length of your what you're looking forward to? There is very little of her, but I'm sure you've seen her face around the internet. I have is, before. You know, I think yeah. The part of what I think is appealing to me about it is honestly just that I was such a big G Gundam fan as a kid, and a big part of that show was like, oh, and these are the the Gundam pilots from different countries, and like they're all like different and whatever else. And so like to be like, ooh, and now there's this character from Germany that pilots a big robot is like immediately appealing to me. Hell yeah! Because it's like that familiar territory. Yeah, uh, we we see we'll we'll talk about her more next week, but she's a she has long red hair. She's uh we see her in a red plug suit. Yeah. We also seen her in a schoolgirl school outfit in a, a classroom. Maybe it's Shinji's. Um, Probably. It'd be weird if it wasn't. We don't know until next time. But but yeah, I guess we'll we'll figure out more stuff about her later. This says her name in the title. <laughs> so we know her name can is you, Asuka. Can you imagine, like, in, like, ten years of this fictional world, like, Shinji's graduating class is going to be like, holy shit, there were, like, three, like, world-saving heroes all in this same teacher's room. Yeah. Like, everyone important is in that class. And it's 50% of the class. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, it'll, it'll be, it'll be like, oh, these three, like, like uh, robot pilots that save the world. And also, like, famous documentary and filmmaker, Kensuke, <laughs> and famous athlete, Toji, who has his own toilet paper brand. Like, it's just, they're all going to be famous. <laughs> yeah, it's, oh, man, fucking, I can't believe every main character of this anime is in one spot, and they're all wicked cool. Kensuke Burns, his next documentary is about baseball. <laughs> Strap in. Fuck oh, off. Uh, I think that's the sign that it's the end of the episode. I think so, probably. Uh, yeah. Let's. What What you got to plug? Where are you on the internet? Uh, I'm at Topher Disgrace on Twitter. I got a a, a brand spanking new pin tweet where all my podcasts and video things go. I'm going to specifically plug this time something I've not mentioned on this show yet, but I'm trying to mention more often, is uh, in the same feed as my movie club podcast that I've talked about before, you can find a little show called The Fast and the Curious, where uh, I, as a huge fan of the Fast and Furious series, lead my friend Ben, who had never seen any of them before, through each movie one by one. And uh, so all of the episodes for the movies that have currently been released are out right now. 
uh, so Fate of the one through Fate of the Curious, and I believe like this weekend we will be watching and recording an episode for Hobbs and Shaw. Hell yeah! So I'm excited this, about that. So this comes out Thursday, so that'll be right around the corner if you're listening to this when it comes out. Yep. Yeah. Sick. I think that movie comes out Friday, so we'll probably have a podcast done this weekend. I'm probably gonna see that movie despite seeing uh, only the first three Fast and the Furious movies when they came out, which I as as far as I know don't include Hobbs or Shaw. Nope, sure don't. I don't think you need to know anything to see this movie, and I think you might even be able to enjoy it more if you don't. I saw the trailer, and it, I definitely feel like I have all the in, like introductory information I need. Yeah, I just still, I have a, a, this is not the podcast to discuss this on. You can hop over to Fast and Curious for a discussion <laughs> of why I just like can't, why the, the Shaw character drives me crazy. Uh, his inclusion in the, uh, in the, the group of the, of the good guys uh, is dumb and bad, but... <laughs> That's a different. That's I'll a different podcast. Have, I'll have to listen and find out, and buy yeah. buy the box set and just watch along. <laughs> Yo, do you know what the box set is? Uh, I've I used to see it when I worked at uh Shmeshmai. It's all in a big tire. Oh, it's sh- a bunch fuck. of DVDs in the shape of a tire. It's awesome. Yeah, I have seen that. Yeah, it's very good. You can follow me on Twitter, Ghost of Joe, Ghost of J O. Uh, I make numerous podcasts uh as when this comes out we would have just done the july episode for they them theirs uh which is a show where i talk about being non-binary with my friend rain who's also non-binary uh and i felt good about that episode i feel like we chat it's, it's always nice when we have like a we go in with a specific topic and we don't just accidentally find one uh so we talked a lot about like um we, we talked about like like fashion and stuff as non-binary people before but we talked more specifically about like formal attire last time because uh because I'm going to a wedding in like a month, and I'm like, oh shit, what the oh, fuck yeah. do I wear? Yeah. So we talked about that. We talked about uh, like we talked about haircuts and like styling hair for a long time too. Oh nice. Uh, so that yeah. those are good conversations. They'll be out by the time this is. But um, yeah, I make a bun for the podcast that you can uh, see me tweeting about, or uh, you can find all of them on the same podcast network as this one, which is the Orange Ghost Podcast Network. You can find it at theorangegrove.com. Listen to a bunch of shows. I'm not on all of them, I promise. Uh, and you can support the network on Patreon. Uh, there's a link on the website. It's also patreon.com forward slash the Orange Groves. And you can get bonus stuff like uh, stuff that gets cut out of shows. And uh, we did start a bonus uh, podcast recently uh, where we're ranking all of the uh, Gen 1 through 8, I think, Pokemon. Um, but all the ones that are out before Sword and Shield uh, in, a, in a big bracket with a rotating cast. I uh, defended Butterfree on Chris's Honor on the the most, the most recent episode uh and uh yeah you can there's gonna be more of that chris will probably be on that at some point i'm really hoping to be it's just whoever's free when we when we pick a day um there'll, yeah. there'll be more of that going up if you're back at ten dollars all the cut contents at two dollars uh and it you know it goes to supporting marginalized creators hosting their shows buying artwork and uh commissioning music for shows there's hopefully some new stuff coming uh, in the next month or so so Lots to... It's good stuff. I'm a part of the network, and I'm still a patron, because I want to give money to that cause, because it's cool and good. Chris is cool. Be like Chris. Yeah. But I do think that's it. You can, Yeah, again, we, we have pretty much started using hashtag NervousRexPod. Sometimes I've also seen people just use hashtag NervousRex, but I imagine a lot of people use that for a lot of different things. <laughs> yeah, I guess the pod is a good thing to include. Yeah. Also, thank you everyone for the nice iTunes reviews. It means a ton. Um, but yeah, so you can, uh, do that and we will catch you in another two weeks with episode eight. I uh, will meet Asuka and, uh, talk about some more robots and shit.
And we'll give you more fan service next time. Yeah, that's the outro. Bye. Bye. Welcome to 294 Note Streak, the best idea for a podcast of all time. We use a bracket to rank every song that's ever been in a Guitar Hero game. That's pretty much it. That's the whole idea. My name's Joe. I'm Riley. We do that thing we just said every mm, two weeks? We rank it on how much we like the song and if it makes a fun chart to play. Is 294 an equally divisible number for a bracket? It's not! (laughs) Is Thunder Kiss 65 the best white zombie song? Can anything topple Hangar 18 in this race to the top? Will Pat Benatar's Heartbreaker defeat Michael Jackson's Beat It? Yes. <laughs> yeah, spoiler. <laughs> Probably. Should Fat Lip be in Guitar Hero? <laughs> Find out by listening to 294 Note Streak on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or a better app. And remember, enjoy music. <laughs>